to be fair, I'm not scheduled to retire until like 2054. The 2050s, y'all. So A, it's pretty bold to think that the world's still gonna be here by then. Is that dark? Yep. But I mean, is it wrong? And B, if I actually make it to retirement, I'm 1000% coming to my retirement party on my hoverboard because those better actually fucking exist by then. Uh, you don't know that? Welcome back to You Don't Know That, the podcast. Today's topic is retirement funds. You know, that thing that part of your paycheck goes into, I guess, and then you just won't see it until you're in your 60s or you die. Mm-hmm. Or uh, for my fellow millennials, that fund that we're apparently not putting enough into because we're spending too much money on avocado toast. You feel me? Anyway, we're talking retirement today. What is a 401k? What is an IRA? Or as I have been recently corrected, an IRA. How do stocks work? And is your retirement stocks? Also, what's a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA? How much should you be contributing? How the fuck do you decide when you're ready to retire? And more, probably. These are the questions I have, at least, and I'm sure there'll be questions I didn't even know that I should be asking. But as for what I actually know, it's really not a lot here. I mean, I know that you can set a certain amount to come out of your paycheck. I don't know if that's a maximum you can reach or if there needs to be a minimum or how you decide how much that is. I know that you're not taxed on it, I don't think, until you pull it out, maybe. And, hmm, well... I do know that it's something you should be paying attention to, and that I've been, let's be real, slacking a little bit on it. So, I don't have much in the way of background knowledge on this one. Hopefully, you don't either, that that's why you're here, and we'll learn it together. So, give me a minute, and I'll be right back. Ashley's out researching things, and she'll be back in one, two, three, four... So, full disclosure here, it's been at least a solid month since the first part of this episode was recorded. But I promise you, I really have been researching this on and off for an entire month. This was complicated. I, like, started researching articles and then they would use terms that were too complicated. So I'd have to be like, Mm, let's find an article that explains this term and then it would use terms that I also didn't understand so I'd have to like go back even further until I eventually settled on just actually talking to somebody about it or more accurately a couple of somebodies and if any of those somebodies are listening thank you so much for listening to my repeated let's be real Dumb questions about how retirement works and being so patient with me while explaining it. I super, super appreciate it, especially for like showing me how to log into my 401k so that I can actually make sure that I was, you know, contributing to it the last two years. 
So yeah, if any of you haven't been doing that, make sure to do that so you can make sure that you have been contributing. I have, but I mean, the thought that I possibly hadn't been was mm, mildly horrifying. But enough about how the last month has been, which also, by the way, in the news cycle has been great. So much good things. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. I'd like to give a caveat that first and foremost, as a reminder, the goal of this podcast is to create a baseline for myself and for you to where we don't feel completely clueless about retirement at like the level of conversation that would come up at a party. You know, those parties where everybody just stands around and talks about retirement. (laughs) Such a classic party. Anyone remember those in college, right? (sighs) Miss those. Anyway. What I mean to say is we'll be keeping it basic and going over general definitions and advice that I found and learned over the last month. If you have a specific situation that you're dealing with, like, I don't know, wanting to retire at 35 and drive a Volkswagen van down the Pacific Coast Highway, because like, who doesn't want that life? Or if you're in the opposite boat and you're 45 and you haven't started saving whatsoever and you're starting to panic, my advice to you is this. Go talk to a professional, and that professional is not me, all right? But for those of us that are just trying to figure out what to do with all the HR paperwork at your, quote, new real adult job, end quote, stick around. So let's start with definitions, okay? Employer-sponsored retirement accounts are a great way to end up with more money when you're ready to retire. The most common kind of these plans is called a 401k but there are also 403B plans for the public sector and nonprofits, 457 plans for government employees, the thrift savings plan for federal employees, and a few other choices. But since 401k accounts are the most common, we're going to keep it simple and focus there. So what is a 401k? Well, in plain English, which that is all we're going to be dealing with here, because trust me, it can get complicated and I'm not about it. But basically, A 401k is an account provided by your employer that you put money into that receives favorable tax treatment. Each year, you can elect to contribute money to your 401k plan through payroll deductions. So basically, they just take a set amount out per paycheck. And like for my job, I can change that by pay period if I wanted to. These elective deductions are usually specified as a percentage of your income. So like for me, I say like 3%. But some plans allow you to specify a dollar amount, like, I don't know, $500 as well. But the annual contribution limit is about $19,500, or at least it is for 2021. If you're somehow coming across this podcast in 2050 because aliens have invaded and this is the last thing standing, your 401k might have changed, Zorg. So, you know, look it up with the IRS or whatever your version of it's called over there on Planet Bleep Blorp. You know what I mean? Overall, there are two kinds of 401k, traditional and Roth. So in the beginning part of this episode, I talked about when it gets taxed, and it depends on what kind of 401k you're dealing with. So for a traditional 401k, you're not taxed on the money you're contributing now, but you will pay income tax when you take distributions in the future. For a Roth 401k, your contributions have already been taxed at your current tax rate, So in exchange, all your earnings can be distributed tax-free. But not all 401k plans have a Roth option, and there are pros and cons to picking one over the other. So how do you know which one you choose? Well, the big factors are 
High earners are usually better off contributing to a traditional 401k because this lets them avoid paying their current high tax rate. It basically lowers your taxable income. So like if you're between tax brackets by taking out that 19500 if you're maxing it out, you can put yourself into a lower tax bracket and pay fewer income taxes now. Conversely, those with lower incomes usually like the Roth option as they can pay a low tax rate now because you're in a low tax bracket and then you'll never be taxed on that money again. People that think that they'll be in a lower income tax bracket when they retire usually favor the traditional 401k. Conversely, those that think that they'll be in a higher tax bracket when they retire like the Roth. Those that believe tax rates will rise across the board in the future, no matter where you're at, also like the Roth. So, you know, the choice is yours. Overall, the money that you contribute to your 401k must be invested in the funds that your 401k provider, your employer, offers you. Once you've contributed to your 401k, you still need to choose how you want to invest your contributions. Yes, they must be invested in the funds your 401k provides you, but usually there are kind of three funds you can choose from, and that's called the three-fund portfolio. With a three-fund portfolio, essentially there are three major classes of assets you can invest within, U.S. stocks, international stocks, and bonds. Usually you want to kind of spread your contributions in some sort of percentages across all three. By investing this way, you are instantly diversified across thousands of different securities, which will never significantly underperform and are mathematically fairly certain to outperform most investors not doing that. The key here is to actually put some of your 401k contributions into stocks. I read an article and Wells Fargo did a survey and found that we, you know, the youths, millennials, Gen Z, whatever, are not investing nearly enough of our retirement savings in the stock market. We're putting a lot more into bonds than we should be. And by investing too much into bonds, you stand to lose out on hundreds of thousands of dollars in your personal retirement accounts. And look, I get it. I remember 2008. I remember like all of our college funds disappearing in the stock market and it fucking sucked. And it's true that the stock market can be a risky place, but the bottom line is that there actually is no better investment for a young person who has decades until they retire. Plus, as we age, a lot of 401ks will automatically start shifting your retirement fund from the stock market into bonds so that it will become more stable as you get closer to your retirement when you'll actually be accessing those funds. But... There is so much benefit to spending the time now aggressively investing in the stock market. An excessively conservative portfolio, one that is in a lot of bonds, does not maximize the stock exposure and it's a recipe for self-sabotage. And here's why. In rolling 20 and 30 year periods, the stock market has never posted a net loss, not even during the Great Depression. To put it simply, in short, it, much like Robert Downey Jr.'s career, always bounces back. And if you like your evidence to have numbers, here's an example. Historically, over the entire course of the stock market, on average, the market has returned about 9% annually. So let's say you contributed $2,500 a year to a Roth account starting at age 25. At that rate of return, 9%, you would have more than $840,000 in tax-free retirement savings by the time you were 65. 
bump that savings rate up to $5,500 and you'd have $1.9 million when you were 65. So let's say you wanted a more conservative portfolio that for your entire life only put 25% of your contributions into stocks, which by the way, according to Wells Fargo, is what over a third of y'all are doing right now. In that case, you'd only earn a 5% return. That same $2,500 invested annually is only going to be at $300,000 by the time you're 65, instead of $840,000. That's a difference of over half a million dollars. And yes, it's weird to say the phrase only $300,000 as I sit here eating popcorn for dinner and am a person that considers buying salon-level shampoo to be my annual splurge. I get it. But you know what I mean. So, to summarize, a 401k is an account provided by your employer that you contribute to with payroll deductions. Your contributions can either go into a traditional or Roth account, depending on what your provider gives you, and will go into a variety of funds in which you should try to give yourself a three-fund portfolio, and you should most certainly be putting a good chunk of your funds into the stock market. As you age, your funds will shift, and you'll want to be in a more stable account, such as bonds so that your account doesn't disappear should there be a last-minute crash. So if that's a 401k, that left me with a question of what's an IRA? And in plain English, an IRA, which stands for Individual Retirement Account, by the way, I had to go to like four articles to find that shit, but it's an account that you put money into that also receives favorable tax treatment. Each year, you can elect to contribute money to your IRA using, quote, out-of-pocket money, which is different than your 401k contributions, which have to be funded through payroll deductions. The annual contribution limit for an IRA is $6,000, or if you're over 50, it's $7,000. But be aware that if you have a high income, you actually might not be allowed to contribute that much or contribute anything at all. The IRS has a super helpful website for that, but I'm sure if you're... (laughs) fucking loaded, you probably already know. Also note that the $6,000 contribution limit is a total limit to all IRAs you contribute to in a given year, because since IRAs are something you can start yourself, you can have multiple if you want. But if you had two, you can contribute $4,000 to one and $2,000 to the other, but not $6,000 to both. However, your 401k and your IRA contribution limits are separate and don't affect one another. So in theory, you can contribute $19,500 to your 401k and $6,000 to your IRA annually. For me personally, I'll never hit that income where I max out because like, (laughs) that's so much money. But if you can, good for you. So happy that you can do that. In most cases, like I said, you must open your own IRA. Similar to the 401k, where your contributions have to go into the funds that your employer provides you, the money that you contribute into your IRA must go into the funds that your IRA provider offers. However, since you can pick your own IRA, you should probably pick one that invests in the types of funds that you want to invest in. I mean, the world's your oyster, so go with one that you like, right? So the other main thing that comes up when researching retirement is social security. So what is Social Security? Well, Social Security is the United States National Pension Program. It covers the vast majority of American workers who pay into the program while employed in exchange for benefits when they become eligible. In most cases, it's not a substitute for retirement savings. It likely will not cover all of your expenses in retirement. 
it should be considered supplementary to your own retirement savings. At best, the calculation for how much a person gets in Social Security is super complicated, but basically it comes down to the history of your earnings for each year that you worked and paid into the Social Security system, the average national wage, the average of your 35 highest wage earning years, and a set of formulas that level out the playing field between high earners and low earners. So those with high incomes receive proportionately a little bit less than those with low incomes who need it more. What pops out is your benefit, or your primary insurance amount. This, essentially, is the amount that you'll be eligible to receive at your full retirement age. The Social Security Administration actually makes an annual statement available to you online if you're interested that details your earnings history and your expected benefits. You just have to make an account with them. The other issue that came up is I'm young. I mean, will Social Security even fucking exist by the time I'm riding to my retirement party on my hoverboard? There are a lot of mixed opinions on this one. The short answer is most likely, but probably not the same as we know it now. The amount that Social Security has distributed over recent years has far exceeded the amount that it's taking in. And that means that they're spending money faster than they're earning it. And this can go in a couple or a combination of ways. It could resolve itself by increasing the amount of tax that we pay to Social Security right now, which is about 6.2%. It could result in an increase in the full retirement age. It could result in reduced payouts and a thousand other different things. Unless major political change happens, everyone covered under Social Security should expect to receive something, probably 75% of what we would have, but what that something is is still super unclear. But if this is the area that you're most fascinated by, there's a 2013 report that details the cash flow issues that Social Security is having. The name is hilarious, and it's super thrilling. I mean, whew, what a page turner. But hey, if you're into it, feel free to Google. It's called the Annual Report of the Board of Trustees of the Federal Old Age and Survivors Insurance and Federal Disability Insurance Trust Funds. Knock yourself out. Meanwhile, I'm going to answer the main question that I had, which was how the fuck do you save for retirement? Well, boomer jokes aside about millennials failing to save for retirement, they weren't wrong. Now really is the most important time to start doing it. And the reason can boil down to two words, compound interest. We have the gift of time on our hands, and it doesn't even really matter how much you're putting away right now. Putting anything away and letting it grow for the next 30 years is incredibly valuable. So if you have an employer-sponsored 401k, try to maximize what you can contribute, you know, gradually over time. Can I throw $19,500 in there this year? Fuck no, I can't. But I personally have been gradually increasing the percentage that I can contribute and still live comfortably to match what my employer gives me. Because it's literally free money. I recommend just working your way up every time that you get a raise. Because employer matches are invaluable. Essentially, for every percentage you put in, your employer will do the same up to a certain percent. Whether it's 3%, 5%, a certain dollar value, depends on your employer. But it's such a good 
benefit because it can literally double how much you're putting in. Also, when it comes to employer matches, I kept reading the term vesting period and had no idea what that meant. So quickly, basically, it means that any contributions that come out of your paycheck are always 100% yours. But if your employer provides matching contributions to your 401k, for example, a dollar per dollar match for 5% of your paycheck, occasionally they become yours according to a vesting schedule. And a vesting schedule is essentially a time delay between when the money your employer contributes actually becomes yours and is usually used as an incentive to keep you with a particular company for a certain amount of time. Vesting schedules can come in a couple of different ways. It can be 20% increments, like 20% the first year, 40% the second year, etc. Or it can be a set amount of time, like you're 100% vested after three years. Others don't have a vesting period at all, and the money is yours instantaneously. Your company's HR can help you figure that out if you were unaware, so feel free to give them a call. So let's say that you are established now. You have a safe little emergency fund going. You've paid off your high-interest debt like student loans. You're contributing to your 401k. You're getting that employee match. What a dream, right? It's at this point that you might want to consider adding an IRA into the mix. For me, that's a while off and that's okay, but at least it's bookmarked for me to remember later. If you're like me, focus on getting up to that employer match. It's a great start. For those of you that have more of a freelance position, you might want to consider opening an IRA and contributing a fixed amount every month as if it was a payroll deduction. However, remember that the IRA contribution limit is $6,000 a year. And for those of you that maybe do have an employer-provided 401k, but they don't match your contributions, maybe consider contributing to an IRA first. You can open an IRA with whoever you want, so you can have better funds than maybe what your employer is providing you. And if you do hit that $6,000 maximum, just put the extra into your 401k for the year. The biggest thing to remember is that 401k plans are portable. You can roll them over into your IRA if you leave your current employer, or sometimes you can roll it completely into a 401k with your new employer. Bad 401k plans can turn into amazing IRAs in a heartbeat. So if you have one at all at your job, think about contributing, even if it doesn't have a match. And this brings me to the last major question I personally had while researching this episode. How much do you need to save to retire? Is there like a set number, a goal? Like, when do you know you're okay? Not surprisingly, much like the financial aspects of buying a house, shout out to that episode, right? But the answer essentially boils down to this. It depends. There are so many different factors that could affect it. How much do you think you can earn? both through interest and dividends or through a pension if your employer gives you one of those? And do you still plan to work at all in retirement? Are you Audi 5000? How much can you live on? Do you still have a mortgage to pay off? Do you have medical expenses? It's so individual that it's hard to tell. And if a number is what you need, financial professionals are there to help you. But Overall, if I can get one thing across to you in this episode, it's to at least start thinking about retirement now. 
One article I read showed the difference between putting $250 a paycheck away for retirement now in your 20s versus doing it in your 40s. And the difference is hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's the difference between being able to retire comfortably, being able to retire at all, and being able to retire and live your life to the fullest. Compound interest is no joke. And while boomers joke about avocado toast, I mean, when it comes to retirement, they're not wrong. Starting now, even with just what you can do, or even just trying to work your way to your employer match, is so incredibly valuable. I couldn't believe it. And I just hope that this episode can express that to you as well, because your future self will thank you for it. And hey, by understanding that, it means that you and I, when we retire, can ride our hoverboards around the Caribbean together while living in our beachfront property, having people feed us grapes, and drinking all dang day. You know? Until then, start investing in yourself. See you next time.